Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, everyone. And Kyle is literally walking upstairs, I'm assuming. I'm literally getting home to participate in tonight's podcast because I am gainfully employed, unlike some recently released superstars. Yes, and we will definitely be discussing them at the beginning. And just to make it real quick, we we are actually going to have a special guest uh, tonight. I just arranged this within the past couple of hours, and we're going to have Noah Gabriel from the Northern Wrestling Federation. He's going to uh, tell us about an upcoming event they have. But first, Kyle, we'll go ahead and give our contact listening info, and then we'll go through some of the other news, like what you were talking about. Uh, if anybody would like to get a hold of us, if you want to email us, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach us on Facebook, at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. We're on Twitter, at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And as of about 10 days ago, we are now on Amazon, Amazon Music, the podcast. You just do a search for us if you go to any of those platforms. Or if you see this in the description, you should have a link. And if it's not linked, like a hyperlink, just copy and paste it into a browser, you should be able to find us. And we are currently not taking just regular phone calls, but like I said tonight, we are going to have a special guest, and we're pretty happy about that. Kyle, have I missed anything? No, I think you covered everything, except you mentioned the email address. Yeah, I mentioned the email address, podcast at gmail.com. And if you would ever want to write us a letter, just ask us, and we'll give you our, you know, at least our, maybe one of our addresses. It, but, it's going to be your address. It'll be my address. But anyway, uh, so before we have our guest, and before we talk about the many faces of Chris Jericho, which is actually the subject of our show tonight, because Chris Jericho has, uh, he's established himself as a a wrestler, a very obviously a very good wrestler, multi-time world champion. He is a genuine rock star with his band Fozzy. He hosts his own podcast. He's been on Dancing with the Stars. He's been in movies. He has been the narrator for different shows, including Dark Side of the Ring right now, but he's also narrated other non-wrestling shows. He hosts a cruise, the Rock and Wrestling Cruise. And I don't even think I've I, I know I haven't nailed everything that he does. But obviously, you know, the main focus for him is wrestling, and that will be that will be a big chunk of it, but we can't not mention the other things because he's just good at everything that he does. And the man's also fearless. But, Kyle, you were mentioning wrestlers losing their jobs last week. What did we end up calling this? Did we call this Black Tuesday or Black Wednesday? I think it, I think it was Black Tuesday. Yeah, because I think this time it was actually on a Tuesday because it was the day after we did the podcast. Because I'm seeing these announcements, and I, you you texted me, Dwayne texted me, and and everybody, you know, saying Braun Strowman has been released along with Lana, along with Alistair Black. And uh, I don't have the list in front of me, Kyle. Who are some of the other ones? Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy, yep. Um, 
there was a second female released. Yes, and, because when I saw her name, I was thinking it, it, it sounds more like a male's name. But, yeah, she definitely ain't a male. The two shocking ones were Aleister Black and Braun Strowman. To, to be honest, and they're breaking up the women's tag teams, which kind of go back to our subject from a couple of weeks ago, that they're just not pushing women's wrestling the way they could be. Uh, Ruby Riot was one of the ones released. That's it. Yep. Ruby Riot, and I just saw the name. Uh, Mana, Ruby Wright, Santana Garrett. She was the one that I wasn't real familiar with. But, yeah, that's... I think if we had to rank them in order of just shock value, obviously Braun Strowman being number one because he has been in some of the main storylines over the past couple of years. And then Aleister Black... Just because part of that, they, he just came back, and he was starting to get into a program with Big E. But Ruby Riot, what? that what she, Ruby Riot came back also, and they were starting to give her another little push. Also, boom, gone. Lana, same we, thing. Go ahead. We thought Ruby Riot was going to win the women's tag team title at WrestleMania. We did. Both That's of us, right? Yeah, we did. That. Now, Lana, I understand. Lana, I definitely understand. I don't think anyone's shocked at that. Even though they were starting to kind of give her a little bit of a push, they had her in the the tag team um, with Naomi. And they seem to be doing, you know, pretty well. People were reacting to them. But, you know, she went to go be with her husband, which you can't blame her there. And actually, I'm surprised Aleister Black, but then again, with what happened with his wife, with the uh, the relationship between his wife and WWE, how it came to a, a screeching halt back what was in the fall. In the oh, fall. Yeah. And, you know, so that one shouldn't be surprising. But to do it right after they were introducing this new character of his, that was the part that surprised me. Well, and, yeah, you have, and, and clearly that's not a gimmick that any Hollywood writer really understood. That gimmick is Aleister Black, or his um, his actual real name. I'd have to. Uh, his real name is nothing like that. He's Tommy Ends before. And, yeah, but. A lot of wrestling news, not just releases. NWA did a uh, pay-per-view over the weekend, and one of my women's wrestlers that I've watched since NWA came out was Camille, is the new NWA women's champion coming out of the Dudley Boy camp training school. Nice. Oh, Tom Budgen. That's Aleister Black's uh, legal name. So, but, yeah, I think I have a feeling that the character, whatever he does 
after even after WWE, I have a feeling his character is going to be something similar because if you really look at Aleister Black, like his real personality, not too far removed from the character. I wasn't comfortable with some of the things that he was doing, like the name of his move, them calling it, you know, the Black Mass. I'm like, hmm, okay, um, that's what y'all want to call it. I mean, that's y'all walk, y'all walking some lines there, but but Vince McMahon didn't understand it, and that's why he's gone. And that's Braun Strowman is probably uh, remember he's been out for a while with health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know anything if he asked for his release. So he was making one point two million dollars a year. It could be cost cutting, for all we know. Well, there are rumors going around saying that the WWE are going to be selling. And part of what they're doing now is just liquidation. So who knows? I mean, that, um, they've, there's been some of the people within the organization that have said, no, we're not selling. But then other people, they're saying, well, there's so many indications you are selling and more specifically you're selling to NBC because NBC already owns the platform of which the WWE network is on. See, I think if they sell, they're going to sell to Disney. And they're going to be the new theme park. I'd go to it. Disney is down in Orlando. And it is pretty much a kid product now. So... But I don't think they sell as long as Vince McMahon is alive. And in all honesty, how can they sell when the television product has been as bad as it's been? Well, that may actually be one of the reasons they are selling because maybe you have somebody who's interested and they're they're saying, "Hey, um, you know, we can improve this because if they're talking about television product." then they'll probably have television executives take control. Of course, that was the issue with WCW. Vince McMahon was a wrestling company. WCW was part of a television company. And so they may be kind of wary about that, but they just need to do something to improve. But I can see is I was kind of excited when this show tonight started because I know you weren't, uh, you weren't there. It looked like they were having a tag team battle royal. I'm like, oh, they're actually starting with the match. And then AJ Styles and and the big dude came out, and they were talking, and then they talked for the next 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, y'all had my hopes up, and you just shattered them. Speaking of hopes up and what turned out to be a big, giant show, the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather match. What? Okay. I haven't, I, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of people talking about it. What happened? He, uh, basically they had had this exhibition for the last six months. They went out and promoted it, social media. You know, Mayweather can make some money, and Logan Paul has an audience. 
And, you know, if people got to understand what they're buying before they buy it, this was a planned exhibition. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Logan Paul speak, his goal was to go nine round, eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather and say he's a legitimate boxer. And at no point did Mayweather try to really put him away. They threw a couple hard punches. I'm sure Logan Paul tried his little heart out. (laughs) I feel bad for anyone that fought that fight. Like, I couldn't even stay up and watch the illegal stream. (laughs) So you're saying people are probably rioting in their own house? I know some angry people on Facebook right now that bought that fight. Mm. But I am for Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, Logan Paul, and, uh, you know, I would actually pay to watch that. I think they ought to have contests to see who can go half a round with Mike Tyson. And I say half a round because that's how some that's how quick some of his fights used to last. Half a round. Actually not even half a round, like a third of a round. I I would watch that one. I can't say I'm going to get any fight ever with uh the Paul brothers. Right. Neither. I go I can't stand to listen to him. I don't follow them on social media. I don't understand the appeal. I don't know. And that, however they're getting over with the audience, is what wrestling should be doing. You're talking about the Paul brothers? Yes. Um, I know one of them is kind of an idiot. I mean, just to put it plain and simple, he's basically been banned from Japan. And I don't blame them for banning him. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a different world, man, where people are using social media and, like, YouTube to get famous. But I do believe we are probably going to be expecting a caller uh, here pretty shortly. I'd probably say within the next few seconds because he said he's going to call in around 8.45. And if he doesn't call, I'll call him. Which means I need to find his number. But at this point, Raw is so predictable, we could pretty much write it ourselves. And SmackDown, they've got the Roman Reigns angle. Getting his number now. (laughs) And there he is. Hello, is this Noah? This is Noah, yes. Hi, Noah. This is Steve. How are you? How's it going? 
I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? Doing all right. And Kyle is on here too, my co-host. Say hi, no, Kyle. What's up? This is Michigan. This is Michigan's second greatest export. <laughs> What's the first? That's what it, the car. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought I thought it was like I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know, guys. It's been a long day for me. My, <laughs> my mind is not. There's not. There's not really yeah. much good that comes out of Michigan besides the vehicles and me. Oh well, Eminem <laughs> came out of Eminem came out of Detroit, right? right? No, I thought they were Pennsylvania. Eminem? No, Eminem, Marshall Mathers. Eh. Well, Alice Cooper came out of Detroit. Ted Nugent came out of Detroit. Uh, Kid Rock. Kid Rock came out of Detroit. Kid Rock. That's right. Still that's... number two. <laughs> <laughs> but but Kid Rock is a WWE Hall of Famer, though. Yeah, he's about as legitimate as uh, Coco Beware. <laughs> Ooh. No, 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 don't diss Coco like that. No, no, Coco had, like, possibly the best brain buster in the business. He at least had that going Frankie on. Frankie deserved to be in the Hall of Fame before Coco. You know, Kyle, I just thought of something else that came out of Detroit that I have to say. You may have to go back down the list. Motown is from Detroit. Motown is no true. I'm still number that two. Oh, you can't put yourself above Motown, man. Come on. There's a reason why Motown music is ended. Oh, I mean, okay. Actually, I'm go- I'm gonna side with him on this one. But okay, okay. <laughs> to kind of go back on that, to kind of go back on what I just said. I mean, think of like you know the impact Motown had on music as a, as like a whole. Sure, it's, I mean it's quote unquote dead, but like. It, 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 its impact and legacy is, you know, transcend, transcended throughout, you know, the years of music to come, you know? Exactly. I, I'm a big, Kyle, you know, I'm a big metalhead, but I mean, I always acknowledge any kind of contribution to music because Motown, are you talking Aretha Franklin? Come on now. Or like Jackson 5? Jackson 5 was in that, right? Jackson 5? Yep. Jackson 5? Yeah. And Marvin Gaye? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Like, yep. That's that's some of the classic you, stuff, man. You also can't forget WrestleMania three, but I'm still above all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hogan, Andre. Nah, man, I'm above that. It's possibly the greatest Steamboat WrestleMania Savage. match of all time. Yeah, yeah. Steamboat Savage. There we go. And King Kong but, Bundy dropping dropping an elbow on some little people. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, a WrestleMania moment that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so anyway, Noah, what you been up to lately? Oh, nothing much, man. Um, you know, I've, you know, um, kind of with everything opening back up in terms of like, you know, uh, the craziness that was the uh, pandemic uh, with things opening back up. Uh, I've been slowly getting some wrestling bookings here here and there, so you know uh that's always a good thing um I just got some new t shirts in, so that's been pretty exciting um 
yeah, man, I've just kind of been hanging out and, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the summer because, you know, uh, uh, you know, here I mean, in Cincinnati, you know, the Reds, you know, you go to Reds games now and, you know, hang out. Sure, they're not doing great, but, you know, it's the, the games are fun to go to nonetheless. Uh, you know, it, there's concerts are coming back, so I'm excited for that. So I got I got some, you know, plans this summer, you know. Yeah, this Saturday is going to be another big show down in Covington. I'm planning on being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, we big return to, to hits indoor baseball in uh, Covington, Kentucky, located at 3785 Lake Park Drive. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a stack card. Um, you know, you got uh seven-time NWA champion Wildcat Chris Harris is going to be there in action, um, as as well as uh, a lot of uh, regional legends from that area, like Pompano Joe, Nasty Russ, et cetera. It, it's, going to be, it's going to be a good time. And so are, is – well, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. Are you wrestling on the card? Uh, as of right now – uh, I am not. Chances are I I will probably be commentating or announcing, but what's not to say that, you know, last minute, you know, they might have they might be like, Hey Noah, you, you wanna you, you wanna wrestle this guy or you know, be like, you know, some guy might run his mouth and I'll be like, Hey man, why don't we settle this in the ring? You know, so i am I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying uh, that I am officially wrestling, but you know, card is always subject subject to change, is what the old saying goes. So you never know. Now there was a couple of uh, shows this past weekend at Bone Crushers. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make either one. I would like to have. But have you and Chris Demise settled whatever different? Well, actually, I know where the differences come from because I was there when it started in Mount Orb at the Battle Royal. Have, have yeah, y'all settled um, these differences, or are y'all still – is there still some animosity there? You know, it, unfortunately, okay, he got the win on me. I'll go ahead and – in case he, you haven't uh, already figured that. Yeah. Um, disappointing. Um, but here's the thing, man, like, you know, I see him run his mouth on social media about me and some of it, you know, I can, I, I, I can take it on the chin, but you know, when you do it so much, it just gets to the point to where he just does like, 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 you know, when you know, I don't know if you're the oldest or you know baby or whatever, but if, if or if you're even an only child, but if you like if you have a sibling or somebody that just keeps running their mouth and it's like, all right, man, you need to stop, and but they keep going and it's like, all right, dude, you need to shut up or I'm going to punch you in the mouth. It's still like that. Like he's he's called me every name in the book, and he just won't stop, even though he's beaten me. And uh, this past Friday night at Bone Crushers, him and uh, his little buddy Icon decided to beat up on uh, the prodigy Kobe Kane, the NWF Unified Champion. And, you know, not a lot of people know this, but, 
you know, Prodigy and I are, 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 are friends. We're buddies. Like, you know, I was the first one to, you know, introduce myself to him and shake his hand, and we trained together. And I was the first one to shake his hand when he won the unified title. So, like, he's one of my good friends, right? And I don't know, man. I, I There was something about it that wanted me to go in there and save him. So now we're, we're, we're going to have a tag match, me and Prodigy, against Icon and Chris Demise uh, in two weeks on June the 19th at Bone Crushers. Um, so that will be after this Covington event. And I'm sure, you know, I'll talk about it down the road. But to, I know it's kind of a lengthy answer, but uh, the short answer is, unfortunately, now this is far from over. So, all right, Noah, what is your athletic background and what brought you to become a professional wrestler? All right. Uh, that, so you're, you're probably going to – you're probably not going to believe me, but uh, my athletic background is kind of limited. Um, I was actually like the dorky uh, theater kid. In high school, but like in middle school and elementary school, you know, I, I did baseball and I did uh, I did a little bit of amateur wrestling, um, and I did uh, some MMA a little bit, and it was fun. It was a good time, but you know, at the time, you know, I wanted to act and stuff. But you know, on the side, you know, I watched wrestling ever since I was four years old. Like I like my earliest memories as a as a kid was. You know, dad would come home every Monday and Friday night, and we would make a hot plate of pizza rolls together. And I would we would I would sit in his recliner at four years old with him, and we would watch Raw or SmackDown again, depending on what night it was. And it just always, yeah, sure. Like as I got older, like twelve, thirteen, like I got away from it for like a little bit, but I think every fan kind of goes through that. Uh, so I got to a point in life where, you know, acting and stuff wasn't really doing anything for me anymore. And I kind of was like, you know what? I got to try this because, you know, being a fan wasn't really cutting it for me anymore. Like, I still loved it, but I just felt this urge. And it's hard to explain the feeling, but I I just had this feeling of, you know what? Because I, uh, I started at Bone Crushers when I was 19. I've been doing this for three years. And I started when I was 19. Yeah, 19. And I was, and I'm like, you know, you're only going to be 19 once. You're only going to be this young once, you know. Not to say that I couldn't do it when I was when I was older, like you know, like DDP or Batista, and still be relatively successful. But I still want to have a somewhat long career if I become successful in this. So I kind of took a a bet on myself and uh long story less long you know here i am three years later and you know i feel like i've surprised a lot of i don't want to say haters but you know i i feel like i've surprised a lot of people who thought that no gabriel wasn't going to make it very far and i and even myself like there's been numerous times where you know i'd be in training and like i i I will push myself to my limits and I'll even surprise myself or, you know, on the flip side, like I'll come out of training sometimes and be like, man, 
what on earth am I doing here? But you know what? I've surrounded myself with a good bunch of guys. You know, I mentioned Prodigy Cocaine earlier, and another one of those guys is Juice and and, and Jack Phoenix and Star Rider, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And those guys are so good, and they're so encouraging. And, and sure, they give me, you know, they, you know, give me some 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 gripe sometimes. You know, you know, we're all dudes. It happens. But you know, I've surrounded myself with a good group of guys that have really, you know, I feel like upped my level and have upped my game. And now I am, I'm, I'm where I'm at. You know, I'm getting, you know, bookings all over the greater Cincinnati area, and I'm very, very blessed, and I'm very, very thankful. And uh, wrestling has been the great one of the greatest decisions I've made, but it's also been one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I remember seeing you before you were actually in the ring, and I always saw you announcing because I know you, you do a lot more than just uh, wrestle. Because you're talking about yeah. you may be doing some commentating. Um, how involved are you with that? And what is your workout um, regimen? Because I know. From the time, the last time I'd seen you was before uh, before the pandemic hit, and y'all were in Mount Orb. And the next uh-huh. time I saw you was, I think it was this past November, and all of a sudden you were in the ring, and you had bulked up a lot. And I was like, uh, oh, crap, that dude <laughs> has, put, he has put on some muscle there. You know? Uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. No. Uh, so... Uh, the, I'll, I'll answer the involvement question first, then I'll do the other question. Um, so, <laughs> basically, I <laughs> I do everything. Um, I have experience in pretty much every aspect of the business there is to do, um, except manage. But I feel like if given the position, I would succeed in that because, you know, I have experience in commentating and announcing and refereeing and wrestling. I even have experience in doing behind-the-scenes production stuff. I've produced segments. I've, you know, run the music. I've set up AV. I've set up the ring. I've tore down the ring. Um, um, I've uh, not full, fully promoted with Roger, but I've assisted in the promoting side, and I've done a lot of that recently. And Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about a whole different level of stress. Let me tell you, I, I have... I my heart goes out to all the promoters out there because you know I I don't I I don't like calling myself even a, an assistant promoter and I use that kind of jokingly but it's but with the future star stuff a lot of that stuff in terms of the promoting side is is me so uh, it's really it's really stressful and it's really it, it's really uh, it's really challenging to think of like, all right, what are we going to do this week? And what are we going to do the following week? And I need to get, you know, interview segments from this guy, this guy, this guy, because, you know, they need to talk about their match because people need to know that this big match is coming up. So I do a lot of that. Um, I also do a lot of social media stuff for the future stars. Um, yeah, that, that's, I, I, I wear a lot of different hats. Um, and again, I've been doing all of this within the accumulation of, of three years. And again, I'm very blessed to have so much experience in the shorter span of time. Um, other question. 
so when I started, so when I signed with Roger and at Bone Crushers, I was at 185. Now I'm sitting at about 230, 235. Um, honestly, uh, <laughs> I I up my diet. I ate a lot more than what, than I was. Um, I recently just, uh, signed up and I'm seeing a personal trainer. Um, and a big thing is a lot of, uh, you know, cardio and a lot of, um, arms, shoulders, chest stuff, um, legs here and there. Cause you can't skip leg day as much as people, would want to, you, you, you can't, um, no, you can't, I mean, I don't, I don't, no, yeah, and then, uh, I've been, uh, and then here recently, as in, like, this past week, I've looked into, uh, switching up my protein and my supplement stuff, so, hopefully, because hopefully here soon, uh, I, I want to do a drastic change to my appearance, because, like you said, like, I, I have noticed, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm 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 a sick boy now, you know. You know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Bronson Reed, if you're listening, please don't. But uh, uh, I'm a sick boy now, and I can't. I you know I. But at the same time, I wanna I wanna lean out. So now, it's about losing, or, or excuse me, converting all the weight that I've gained into you know solid solid muscle. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, the pandemic kind of, admittedly, like slowed me down, and it slowed everybody down in terms of like fitness and stuff, especially me, because I was never, up until recently, I was never a super active gym fitness guy, and uh, and I and I'm still not as you know, active as I should or want to be just because, you know, I'm it, life, <laughs> yeah. but, whole, but it's kind of been my, we'll call it my half year resolution where uh, hopefully by this winter I'll be where I want to be. Um, so fingers crossed for that. So, the pandemic didn't set me back. I lost 53 pounds and gained 440 on my powerlifting total. Wow. So it can be done. Yeah. But the big and question is, do your opponents realize that you have been scouting them from the announcing desk? And how has that side made you a better performer in the ring? Well, I'm, I know all their stuff. Like it's 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 one of those things to where you know you you know when a football coach makes their team watch tape for the big championship game so they know all their plays and stuff. That's what commentating has done for me. I'll watch a match and like I I have a Google Drive of notes for pretty much everybody on the NWF roster, and it's like okay this guy does this move this guy does this move. This guy has this advantage on me, or this weight advantage on me. Uh, you know, make sure Pompano Joe doesn't get my left arm because for some reason he always likes to target that, and it's always got to be the left arm for some reason. I don't know why. 
So it's it's just things like that that I feel like it, it's it's definitely a mental edge because I know it, the fans know it, but more importantly, my opponent knows that I know everything about them. And I think that's why you know you you'll go pretty far because you know you know what they're doing even before they do it, and I think they need oh, to actually yeah. recognize that. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually and we have, uh, go on. Oh, I was going to say um, we got time for probably maybe one more question. Um, okay. Steve, uh, using Noah's uh, vast knowledge of the NWF roster, since I am not from the area and watching events with you, uh, I'm going to throw a couple wrestlers out and. You say whatever you want about him. <laughs> so our first wrestler is our current podcast favorite, Selena Dean. Yeah, go ahead, Noah. Okay. okay. So if she she's gonna listen to this and she's gonna message me and be like and say something smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You, you hey, laugh because you know it's true. I'll put that answer. I'm going to answer that with an analogy. You know when, like, 10 to 12 years old and you're with your buddies, but you have that one girl in the neighborhood that's, like, one of the boys because she punches you when, you know, or punches you harder than the rest or or stuff like that? Selena's like that. <laughs> She, uh, no, Selena, her attitude, yes, she's a loud mouth, and yes, she's, she's, uh, what, what's, what's the, what's the word I can use that won't have me screamed at too bad? Um, um, she's tremendously amazing if I were you. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you said it, not me. No, (laughs) Selena, and, 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 you know, I said this, uh, off the air, uh, but I'll say it here. Uh, Selena and I, uh, I actually started a day before Selena, if I remember right. So her and I basically um, have had similar paths in the fact that, you know, we've we've fought very hard for where we're at today. Um, you know, she's the current NWF Women's Champion. You know, I, I wish her all the luck. Granted, I may not like her attitude and some of her in-ring tricks that she does. But, you know, I I can't deny the fact that, you know, she's built her own success and she's uh, definitely earned her uh, championship. Um, I mean, she took advantage of an opening and now she's a champion. If you say you wouldn't have done that, I would have called you a liar because I would have done it as well as anybody else who was in that position and the fact that taking advantage of a situation with the champion being down and, you know, the rest is history. But, no, Selena Selena's a very, very uh, talented women's wrestler. Uh, I, her future is bright, but if you're going to ask for my personal, personal opinion, she's loud, she's annoying, uh, she likes to 
uh, take my hat sometimes because, you know, when I'm in, you know, I wear beanies and snap back hats and stuff. And she likes to take those and hide those. And she likes to hide <laughs> things for me, like hide my bag. And uh, so one time she one time she threatened me with a pipe, like a lead pipe, just to beat me up. How How about another wrestler who's an NWF re- legend, and that's Wildcat Chris Harris. Cat is is amazing. Um, fun fact about Cat and I is that we're both left-handed, and that's kind of where uh, our relationship started. Um, I've been over to Cat's house many a times, and him and I, um, he's like, he, he's a great mentor, honestly. And I'm, and, and I'm trying not to get emotional because it, it, it's really cool for a guy that I used to watch on TV as a teenager. You know, like, there's, there's times where I'll, I'll be sitting in his house and I have to, like, pinch myself because... I'm like, oh, my God, dude, like, you're in Wildcat Chris Harris's house. You saw this dude take a Hurricane Rana from the top of a cage, or you saw him spear James Storm through a table. Like, you saw all this stuff on TV, and he, and he still is the man. And for him to coach you and take the time to mentor you and teach you, it means the absolute world. And I can never, ever, ever thank him enough for – everything he's taught me for all of his advice, uh, without him, uh, Noah Gabriel probably wouldn't, uh, exist in terms of in-ring career. Um, now going through a few highlights, um, Larry D. Larry D. Uh, same thing. Uh, Granted, he's not he he li- he runs his own school in Kentucky, uh, and you know I don't go to that one as often. But I have attended a lot of his seminars, and I have uh, been over to his promotion that he runs in Cincinnati a time or two. And all the time, he always gives me words of encouragement. He always gives me solid advice. He he is a he's told me that he is a big fan of me and that means the world to me because if there there I re, I respect everybody in this business but there's a select handful of individuals that I respect just a little bit more than the rest and Wildcat Chris Harris and Larry D are definitely two of the people that I owe my career to and there's a few other names as well to that list but you know Larry's amazing um it's again it's cool to watch him on tv and see where his career is going and to see him be so selfless and the fact of taking the time to teach somebody like me means the absolute world to me now you have an event on June 12th in Covington Kentucky uh, a couple of your predictions here for some of the main matches on the card. Okay. Uh, Lord Crew versus Swinger. Or as I like to call it, uh, 
American version Masawa versus Kabashi. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, no. I actually, I'm, I, I'm only half kidding. But <laughs> this is going to be uh, strikes the match. Uh, this is going to be lots of forearms and kicks and stiff shots and. I if I'm commentating uh, on Saturday, June twelfth at Hitsy Covington, Kentucky, you can get your advance tickets at nwfwrestling.com. Cheap plug. You're welcome, Roger. Um, I I don't know. Swinger. I'm gonna pass. I'll pull for Lord Crew, but I I, I like Lord Crew. I, I like his running. Uh, well, like lack of better terms, like a running tombstone. Oh yeah, yeah, like, kind of like a Rikishi driver. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> now, uh, another match on the card is Star Rider and Lotus versus Dakota Wolf and the Mad Dog. Who you got? Okay, I'm gonna go with Crew for the first match, and then for the tag title match. Um, I don't know if you saw Bust and Loose. And again, cheap plug, every Sunday night, Facebook, 8 p.m. Again, Rod, you're welcome. Uh, we saw, I, we, we saw they, the Dakota Wolf and the Mad Dog are now calling themselves the hybrid. So, and we saw the hybrid hmm. just like, just demolish Star Rider. And I don't know, man. David Tyler is a three-time tag champ. Dakota Wolf, he I, again, he's brand new to the scene, but he's proven he is one tough you-know-what. And uh, I'm going to have to give it to the hybrid because Ryder looks hurt, and it may end up being a two-on-one possibility. And I'm not going to say that Ryder's just going to lay down easy because he's going to put up a hell of a fight, but at the end of the day, I think – when you have a tag team specialist mixed in with somebody who's as tough as Dakota Wolf, I think we're going to be seeing new tag champs come Saturday. Mm. Potential for new tag team champions. I would have to say my the match I'm looking forward to as a fan is actually the women's match. So my introduction to NWF was when Selena Dean won the women's title. And it started with Big Mama putting Nikki Victory through a table. Yeah. Who she did it again. Grudge. Yeah, a month later, she did it again, Kyle. There's something about her and tables. Um, so, and yeah. I'm a lot of, <laughs> yeah, y'all may want to hide the tables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Can Nikki Victory overcome the size difference? Well, here's a little thing about Nikki Victory. Not, not messing around. No, no. And this is a new side of Big Mama that I have not seen since I've been with the NWF. However, Nikki Victory is a former Rumble winner. She's the first ever woman to be in Thunderdome, which is the most dangerous match the Northern Wrestling Federation has to offer. She has held her own in intergender matches. She is the inaugural women's champion, and she held that for almost a year. 
I don't know, man. Like, sure, she's has the size and the strength disadvantage, but Nikki Victory's been in some high pressure pressure situations. However, to play devil's advocate against myself. Okay, last time in Covington, we saw Nikki Victory, you know, attack Big Mama as well as Selena Dean and Ella. However, that was more of a heat of the moment type thing. As somebody who's been in that situation, once that bell rings, I don't know what it is, but some sort of trigger or click or the chemistry in your brain changes and your whole mindset shifts. Not to say, because she's going to be standing across the ring from somebody she considers her best friend and a sister in this business. What's not to say that once that bell rings in her head, she goes, oh, crap. Not only do I have to wrestle somebody who's, who's bigger and stronger and tougher than me, but I also have to potentially beat my own sister. Granted, I don't understand where this attitude shift came from. I mean, it came completely out of left field, but, you know, it's one of, it, it's, it's one of those sister versus sister things. I don't know if Nikki Victory has the mental c- capacity to do so, so I, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Big Mama. And one of the main matches on the card, two out of three falls, Pompano Joe versus Damian Chambers. Now, That's going to be a good is, one. Yeah, this is actually the match I'm probably – a crew and swinger, but also this match in particular. Um, Pompano Joe is a 20-year veteran. Um, I was talking about guys who I respect a lot in this business. Pompano Joe, again, name is added to that list. Uh, he's taken the time, again, he's coached me, he's mentored me, he's given me everything, he's opened his car to me, and he's given me rides to all kinds of different places, and he's got me in with a lot of cool people. So I owe a lot of my career to him. With that said, uh, Damian Chambers, you know, you open up social media, and one of the names you pretty much see making it his making the waves in Midwest wrestling is Damian Chambers. And... Damian Chambers is going to be a star. It's a matter of when, not if, because the man is just that good. Now, the score is evened up. It's 1-1, and it's two out of three falls. So I might have to go with Pompano Joe on this one just because of the experience factor. No more, no less. I wouldn't be surprised if Damian Chambers snuck out a cheap win but I'm going to have to give this one to Joe. And main event, based on the cars, Juice and the Wildcat, Chris Harris, versus Nasty Russ and Sean Evans. Oh, that's easy, Cat and Juice. Uh, <laughs> uh, Juice Juice is my boy. Juice, Juice and I are real close friends. Uh in the ring, in 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 wrestling and outside of wrestling, and you know I talked about Cat earlier. Uh, Nasty Russ, uh, two-time NWF champ. He's actually a Grand Slam champion for the NWF, but <sighs> he's teaming up with Sean Evans, and Sean Evans and I have a history in the Future Stars. That's a story for another time. 
Uh, Sean Evans is also a former tag champ. They're they're going to be mean and they're going to be nasty, no pun intended. But I, Juice all, almost had rough beat. He almost did. And if it wasn't for Evans, we almost would have seen possibly the upset of the decade. And I don't care who you are, what you've done. You in in the NWF, you cannot match the experience and the mind that is Wildcat Chris Harris. And I'm sure with with Juice's fire and Wildcat's experience and strategy, I am 100% positive that this match tilts in their favor. And I'll tell you what, Noah, uh, I don't think anybody else in the NWF has the large of a fan base as what Juice has. As soon as you get to any of, oh, my Lord, that's all you see are the masks that say Juice. So you know who his fans are real quick. Uh, You walk walk into any NWF event and Juice T-shirts and face masks. And and the and the juice chants and the and and just the electricity that he brings when he walks out that curtain it's truly breathtaking. Yeah, the pop is just amazing. And again, he, he's he's my and boy. To... And... How about to say, where, Jesus is just where my is Miss Where is Miss Selena Dean on this card? Man, she's the women's champ. I'm sure that's what she'd say. I'm the women's champ. I don't need it. That's how she sounds she in my head when the she talks to me. the night. And she should be on every card and every show. And, and I don't see her. Oh, I'm pretty sure she'll be lurking around. Her and Ella both. She should be featured. And Steve, that's how you apply to be her manager. Yeah, yeah she's there asked, on Saturday. Have you asked, <laughs> have you, have you asked <laughs> to be your manager? Oh, Kyle, Kyle's going to be your, end up being her manager. Even though we'll say I mean, Kyle's all go. the way in Maryland, but he's going to come here and he's going to be her manager. Oh, man. Dude. If you came down to be her manager, sure, you may, you may have to go through the licensing paperwork, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a process. But, you know, once you get the paperwork complete, I'm sure she'd love to have you. You know, with enough $100 bills, any paperwork can be done. Man, you're starting to sound like Sinclair now. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's another guy that um, Sinclair Octavius Bentley. Kyle, yeah. for a man his size, the, when at the last show in Covington, I saw him doing some moves that a man his size has no business doing. He reminded me of Bam Bam. I'm serious. Well, you you have to remember that I'm the quarter million dollar man. And <laughs> so I, I get what I want some of the time. But, but we're, you know we're what, at, um, now, now I want to know, now I know what the championship belt looks like, the quarter million dollar championship. Uh, Kyle, you better come up with a belt. I already have a belt. It's hanging above my bed right now. Send me a picture, and I'll tweet it. You send me a picture, and I will tweet it, and I will show it, and I will tag Noah so he can see it. 
But Noah, um, finishing up with your career, where do you see yourself here at the at the end of 2021 now that everything's opening up? And how about in the next five years? Okay. Well, to hopefully with everything opening up and by the end of this year, my ultimate goal is to move on from the Future Stars division. I love it, but every goal of every Future Star wants to be on the main roster. So my goal is to eventually impress the NWF management enough to where I graduate from the, from the Future Stars division onto the main roster by the end of this year. In five years, I mean, I wonder where that heavyweight title is going to be in five years. That would be. And so I just, hopefully I'll be there. But, I mean, and that's just an NWS. Uh, Overall, in five years, you know, I I would like to, you know, establish myself, you know, as somebody to be reckoned with in indie wrestling and, you know, uh, honestly, my dream would be to make it make a living full time in wrestling. Doesn't necessarily mean to be signed to you know WWE or AEW or anything like that. Just to be able to make a living wrestling. And you know, if that means I have to you know work the indies for the rest of my life, then so be it. But at least you know I'll be able to sustain sustain my, myself and potentially a family down the line by doing what I love. And that's ultimately what I want to do. And in five years' time, hopefully, fingers crossed and, you know, prayers and everything like that, I will be on the track to do that because I'm well aware that, you know, it's not going to all happen in five years. It might, you know, never say never. But, you know, you, you, you think of guys like Larry D and Wildcat Chris Harris, and even Abyss and Carl Anderson, you know, they didn't get their big shots until they were, you know, 10 years into their careers. So, or, yeah, 10 years into their careers or so. So, you know, you always got to keep grinding. You always got to, you know, work to succeed. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at in terms of goals and stuff. So, so how, how do they reach you on social media? And do you have a pro wrestling tea store or anything like that to support your journey? Okay. Uh, so you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Noah Gabriel underscore B2W, as well as on Instagram, same thing, at Noah Gabriel underscore B2W. Uh, like me on Facebook uh, at Noah Gabriel. Um, my, uh, t-shirt store is actually teespring.com slash stores slash Noah Gabriel. I know it's kind of a mouthful, but it's teespring.com slash stores slash Noah Gabriel. Um, I will be in Covington, Kentucky this Saturday night, uh, at Hits in Covington, Kentucky at 3785 Lake Park Drive. You can get your tickets at nwfwrestling.com. Or if you live in the area, you can get them at Disc and Dat in Florence, Kentucky, off of Turfway Road. Doors open at 6.30, 7.30 bell time. And uh, join us at our after party, if you can, at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Crestview Hills, Kentucky, which is just an exit west 
down the road. And, yeah, I hope to see you guys there. And how much are the ringside tickets, and are there any still available? To my knowledge, there will be. There's still some available, but I can't guarantee there will be the day of the event, so I would get them very, very early. Uh, VIP tickets, I believe, are $15, and general admission is $10, but if you get them in advance, they're $8. So you save a little bit of money. I said I'm planning on being there, and I'll actually have my son with me. So, oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, awesome. yep, yep. So, yeah, so thank you, Noah, for calling in. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been a good time, and, I and you know, if if we ain't, if you ain't, if you don't got nothing, you know, I'd love to come back on sometime. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely yeah, have you back on. Go ahead, Kyle. You'll have to come on and, and talk about your career specifically a little more in depth. But the next time I ask you a question about your five-year goals, you got to be in all the men's nightmares and all the women's dreams. <laughs> Ooh. See, now that's like, see, I would say that, but then I feel like I'd get a copyright strike from Swinger because I'm sure that's somewhere on that like, does like something. He would something. Say. <laughs> that's something. I, I, I don't know who he is. That's something that just came out of my mouth. Have you ever seen the movie Swingers? Nope. With Vince Vaughn. Oh. That's him. Well, that's him, if you've ever no. seen the movie. No. No. I've not seen the movie, but uh, I'm I'm telling you, next time we got to come up with something really good for you. I'll be your I mean, manager, my, too. Oh, wow. Well, my, my, my catchphrase <laughs> is I was born to wrestle. Is that not good? I like it. I saw, that's not too bad. That's such a lie. You're, you, that was more of a, <laughs> I like it. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it, it, it's a fine. <laughs> you, like, you know when you answer a survey and it has, like, that middle-of-the-line question, like, it's fine. That's, that's what I got. I, every it's just okay. So anyway, no, All we right. do have to go ahead and go. Um, but thank you, sir. We really appreciate you having me. We will definitely have you on in the future. Just hit me up anytime you want to come on, or I'm just may just have to contact you as well. Yeah, right, sound good. Man. Yeah, man. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah, God right, bless you, my friend. friend. Right, See bye you guys. Bye. Cool. Steve, that guy was pretty cool too. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I knew he did. He wore a lot of hats. It's kind of funny him mentioning the beanie, but because I forgot he had switched to a beanie. Because every other time I saw him, he was wearing a backwards ball cap. So yeah, the man he is obviously very valuable to the NWF. You can tell for him to represent the NWF. I mean, I think that actually says something too. Uh, Roger wouldn't let just anybody uh, do that. You know what I'm saying? No, and for the first time, especially for. Those of us that are graced to be away from Ohio uh, to find out who some of these guys are that you're talking about and mentioning as part of the NWF and to hear him summarize their the characters and the matches, um, that's invaluable for those of us that don't get a 
follow. So, the actual subject of the podcast, Kyle, by Chris Jericho. So I, I think this is going to spread out over multiple weeks. It'll, it, it'll have, it'll have to anyway because Chris Jericho, uh, he's one of my favorites, and just because I like his in-ring stuff, and then when you find out everything else he does, I would say that you can't help but respect the man. You know? Oh, w- without question, especially with his multi-talented abilities. So the the first thing, which I think everyone knows at this point, is his father is Ted Irvine of the New York Rangers and huge in the in the hockey world. Yes. So he for for being a real well rounded human being from someone who comes from a famous father is kind of remarkable in itself. And I would think that the, the uh, from the sounds of it, and I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast. Uh, you ever listen to Jericho's podcast? All the time. Okay, so you know, I mean, he's actually spoken to his father, and it sounds like they have a really good relationship. And I would say one of the things he definitely inherited from his father is probably confidence, because you don't make it to the NHL, really any professional sports, but to, to that level without having confidence. And Jericho, it the man exudes confidence. He's fearless. And the reason I say that, and, and part of that is because he – he challenged Brock Lesnar. He got from Brock Lesnar's face, like for real. Which and is terrible. But, but he I mean, did, he, he wasn't going to back down. He did take out Goldberg in a front face box. Yes, he did. And, and that would have been something to see for real. Canada. And graduated from college and goes to the Hart Brothers Wrestling School. Informally known as the Dungeon. No. Well, the Dungeon was really their basement, but they sometimes the wrestling school has also been referred to as the Dungeon. But he was actually one of the last ones to go through there, too. He went through with Keith and... Uh, Bruce Hart, uh, which are lesser known in the Hart family, but up in Stampede in Calgary, very very famous. But finished at school with Lance Storm. If I can be serious for a moment. And immediately, obviously, having gone through the Hart brothers' camp, does tours, the the famous death tour with Tony Candelo, and, and does a few few tours with wrestlers that ended up to be Edge, Christian, and Rhino, among others, and our good buddy Jordan Garber. Yep. 
so spends his first two years up in Canada doing Canadian wrestling, Canadian independence. And where I first caught wind of him was when he was down in EMLL in Mexico. And he was wrestling as the Lionheart. Corazon de Leon. So very, very, very small guy at the time. And most notable, the man had blonde 80s rock hair. Yes, he did. In fact, do you know what his original name was going to be when he was uh, starting out as a uh, wrestler? No. Jack Action. But somebody told him the name was stupid. <laughs> so they said, what is your name, you know, really? And he said, it was Chris Jericho. And I had always wondered, knowing Jericho is also a big metalhead, and obviously, you know, he's he lead singer of Fozzie. Yeah, you can tell he's, he's a big metalhead. I always wondered if he got the name from the Halloween album, Walls of Jericho. And that's also where he got the name for his uh, version of the Boston Crab, the Walls of Jericho. And, yeah, it was confirmed. That's where he got the name. And so I think that's pretty cool because back in, back in the day, back in high school, I liked Halloween. I got in trouble for wearing one of those shirts to school. But anyway. Well, back back in when he started, junior heavyweight, light heavyweight, whatever you want to call it, it was very big outside of the United States. Especially Mexico. I mean, they have some great, great cruiserweights that come out of there. And so that was a perfect place for him to really – up his game as far as that goes. So, and a lot of his career is in his books and he discusses it on his podcasts and all that. But I, as a older wrestling fan and I go through YouTube videos and I watch stuff I watched as a kid uh, through adult eyes now. But when he was teaming with Lance Storm as a thrill seeker in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, those cheesy workout montages that they did in the <laughs> 80s, it, it, some of the best things ever. Are you talking about just Jericho and Lance Storm, or are you just talking about the workout montages in general? So Jericho and Storm have one as the thrill seekers, where they're in a gym, <laughs> and, and they're not tremendously big guys. But they're doing all sorts of exercises in the gym. And you see that, and then as soon as you search for this video – you have the fantastic videos that come up. Then you have Power and Glory that come up. The Road Warriors have oh. There's so many ridiculous uh, I have got to go, because I do remember watching Mid-Atlantic and seeing these vignettes of, like, the Rock and Roll Express. Now, granted, the Rock and Roll Express, they weren't showing them in the gym. 
But one of the other ones was Magnum TA. And I'll have to make this confession. Um, weird question for you, Kyle. Do you ever flex your pecs like you move them? Yeah. I, I'm, okay. I'm yeah. doing it early. Yeah. Magnum TA was doing that on his video, and I thought that was so cool looking. I, I figured out, you know, well, I got to the point I could I still do it now, even though mine are mostly flab now, but I can still move them. I do it now. My, uh, now my son, he laughs at it. My wife, she's like, would you stop doing that? But I learned how to do it, or I got inspired to do it, rather, by watching those workout videos with Magnum TA um, where, where, before he came into Mid-Atlantic, and they were showing – well, showing him in the gym, showing him in bars, picking up women because that's what he did, and then also showing some of his wrestling highlights from Mid-South. But I have yet I, to see Jericho and, and Lance Storm. I've going, I'm going to go have to look this up after the show is over. So um, the peck pop you refer to is the peck pop of love. And <laughs> it's, it, it, it's actually a – the Rock calls it a mating call. <laughs> And I, I have been able to do that all the way back to 99. And then I, I can also do it with my thighs because my I have very thick thigh muscles. And um, what will get you, and you'll actually see this if we ever do a meal again, it will happen to me where I can't control it um, eating sometimes, mm. where my pecs will just start twitching, and they go, what's going on with you? Why are you doing that at the table? I go, it's not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just happening. I need to move my arm and probably take in more salt. Oh, gotcha. There's a scientific reason. Yeah, there's always a scientific reason why your muscles are twitching like that. But um, the Thrill Seeker Smoky Mountain, absolutely ridiculous workout video, and it is aged tremendously. <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I'm going to have to look it up after the, after the episode. So, uh, among other things, Smoky Mountain. They get into a feud with the Heavenly Bodies. Oh, Jim Cornette's boys. That's the first, um, the first major feud involved for tape trading that Jericho is kind of involved in in the United States. He's famous for he broke his arm before the match and actually uh, had to cut it off to wrestle the match. Ooh. How'd he break his arm? Oh, he was practicing a move before the match, but it was the Heavenly Bodies and the Thrill Seekers. And he wrestled with the broken arm. And that probably affected the next three years of his career. But I've re- I actually have his first book. It's just it's been put away 
for probably 10 years. I haven't seen it in 10 years, so I haven't, haven't had a chance to reread it in a while. But from there, from everything that I've read, uh, when he went from Smoky Mountain, looks like he went to Japan for a bit and then went to ECW for a very little bit. And then from there, WCW, and that's where I first saw him. Well, you can't um, minimize the ECW impact to to his career. So he doesn't make it to WCW without the matches he, he wrestled in ECW. Right. Because ECW, for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, their style is something that's going to get you noticed. And it, people may think of ECW being hardcore, but if you look at the wrestlers who came out of there, who, who went through there, even if it was very brief, you know, they're still thought of, even today, as some of the most highly regarded wrestlers there are, including Jericho, including Rob Van Dam. Uh, Mick Foley, um, and Sabu, even though Sabu is career after ECW, didn't do as well as what it probably should have. But but then you had, you know, Benoit, and you had some, some of the other ones. So for Jericho to, uh, to have that on his resume, I think is um, – I don't know if he would necessarily need an ECW, but it certainly didn't hurt, if that makes sense. So – he actually wins the ECW television, which is a legendary championship in the 90s. So this is not the WWF version. This is the true ECW Rob Van Dam television title. So you go through the different wrestlers that held this this championship and uh, honestly wins it from Pitbull number two it, insignificant um, but you know who he lost the title to? Who did he lose it to? Yeah. You know, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia, and it does not actually mention who he lost it to. Shane Douglas. Okay, it was Shane. Okay, Shane Douglas' name is mentioned, but not that he, uh, not that he took the title from him. So Jericho was only a television champion for three weeks. Then it goes Shane Douglas, Taz, Bam Bam Bigelow, and then Rob Van Dam. That's the championship company he was in in ECW. And that is an impressive roster for anyone. And that's not mentioning Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Two Cole Scorpio, the people before him, Mikey Whipwreck won it, Sabu, Taz, Terry Funk. That's that title is legendary. It's 
essentially the ECW version of the Intercontinental title. But in his ECW run, 1996, he wrestled Taz, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, Cactus Jack, Shane Douglas, and Two Cole Scorpio. Then Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit does still exist in some record books. Yeah. And like Jim Ross has stated many times on his podcast with Conrad, Chris Benoit was a hell of a wrestler. He was one of the greatest ever. And the last 48 hours of his life doesn't change that. And I will say this, Chris Jericho, actually in his book, he was one of the only ones at the time, anyway, because he he wrote his book. It was just a couple years after uh, that horrible tragedy happened. But he said he was not going to be one of these who was going to run away from mentioning his name. And I think that that also shows, like I said, Chris Jericho, uh, he is, I guess another way you can say he's fearless because he said, I'm going to do what I want and what I feel is the right thing. He said, you can't take away Chris Benoit's accomplishments just because of how it all ended. But, go ahead. So, ECW, and this is honestly, I want to say this is their pay-per-view drive period. So they they didn't get back on pay-per-view till '97. So these these events, you can find them in the uh, on the network, sort of hidden, but not. Not as main pay-per-views like like they should be because of the mass transit incident taking them off main pay-per-view. But this is where Eric Bischoff becomes a genius and sees all this talent in WCW, Benoit, Guerrero, Jericho, Malenko, and finds them to WCW contracts and the exposure. And Perry Saturn as well, because it's funny about all those names you just mentioned. Those were the ones who uh, left WCW for WWF in was it 99 or 2000 yeah well it was those right and jericho was already there jericho had already left because the whole that's where the y2j thing had started but i just thought that was um kind of a nice coincidence there that those same names who bischoff kind of i don't want to say raided out of ecw but i mean he recognized talent and he, he brought it in they're the same ones who left WCW later on down the road, probably for the same, you know, maybe for the same reasons. 
Well, when you sign for WCW, it's for opportunity. But the political nature in 1996, they're going full NWO at this point. And Jericho is, is what, 215, 220? At that time, yeah. He's always going to be less than main cars. So you're you're signing for opportunity and you you have a ceiling. Let's get into his WCW career for for a little bit. Um he gets booked, blonde haired guy, different than the Hispanic, Latino, international superstars that they had. And his first match is at Fall Brawl 96 with Chris Benoit. And and that's your introduction. And, and, you know, Benoit was a technician. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing about Fall Brawl 96, do you remember what happened at Fall Brawl 96? Fall Brawl 96, because that was, that was after the NWO had formed. And I'm trying to think about this before I have to look it up. Go ahead. No, that's the NWO and the creation of Fake Sting. Oh, that's where Fake Sting was created at that Fall Brawl? When they went up against uh, Luger, Sting, Arn, and Flair. So he's on that pay-per-view making his debut. His pay-per-view, first pay-per-view appearance. Promotion for less than a month. And now he's going against Benoit. And, and he first goes up against Benoit, who you, you can't have a mad, bad match with. And following year, early, well, mid-97... Wins his first WCW championship, and he defeats six, who ended up being the one, two, three kid or X Pac, to win the cruiserweight championship. Loses it, and then goes on to beat Alex Wright for the cruiserweight championship. And at this point, ninety-seven, would you say he was? A uh, generic baby face. When I first wa- started watching, well, first time I really noticed him, um, because I wasn't able to watch a lot of wrestling during this time, um, and I because I just got back to the states in December of '96, and then went to Maryland in January of '97, and so a lot of stuff I had missed. And so by the time I really saw him, he had already become a heel. And, you know, so, I mean, this was way down the road. Cause if, so if I, if I, I probably did see him as a face, just he probably didn't do much for me as a face. I definitely noticed him as a heel, though, uh, because, unfortunately, because the way he wore his hair was kind of goofy because he wore <laughs> that, 
weird top not looking ponytail. But I mean, the, it, was uh, on, it was on purpose. But it was the man bun before today's man bun. Except for it wasn't a bun. I mean, it was actually a ponytail. It looked like a water spout on top of his head. <laughs> and, you know, uh, but watching him in the ring, I was like, okay, he looks ridiculous, but man, dude's got some skills. And I liked his the line salt. That to me was a very innovative move. I had never seen anybody do it before. And when they said when he was doing his his Boston Crab, and I think there they were calling it the Lion Tamer, weren't they? Yeah, it was the Lion Tamer. The Lion Tamer. It was in WWE where they called it the Walls of Jericho. It's the same move. But that the way he did that Boston Crab, it wasn't just the okay, I'm, you know, I got to hold your legs. Okay, now it's turnover. Now I'm holding you, and my hands and my arms are basically underneath your calves. Now the way he did it, he would actually come back and he would have his one of his knees on their on their back, and so he was arching even further. I'm like, yeah, that looks like it would hurt. That looks legit. Leverage. Yes. Um. Well, his his heel run starts in in January in '98 and sold out the pay per view. And this is when we're watching wrestling in the dorms. I've essentially got Sunday nights off, and I am a loser, and I'm sitting in the break (laughs) room with 20 other dudes and three girls, and we are watching wrestling pay-per-views on Sunday night. And he wrestles Rey Mysterio Jr., and basically messes him up and busts his knee up because, you know, Ray Mysterio had very fragile legs at this point. Mm-hmm. And did he, uh, he started taking souvenirs from the guys he beat. With his 1,004 holds. No, that's not there yet. Oh, I know, but... You're jumping the gun. I'm not jumping the gun. Either way, he was... Anyway, go ahead. So, he injures Rey Mysterio and knocks him out of action. Then he wrestles Juventud Guerrero. Guerrera. And has the title versus mask match at Super Bowl 8. And he he beats Hoobie and keeps his mask. So he took I, his mask. I was not a fan of that uh, because, and, yeah, I, I'll tell you in a second. And he, he started wearing his mask and all these things he'd collect to the ring. He's got Hoobie's mask. He beats Prince Iakea, and he takes the Hawaiian headdress, the Hawaiian, basically the hula skirt. <laughs> he takes a headband from the Disco Inferno, and the one the one thing about Hoobie and his mask, Hoobie is one ugly dude. <laughs> um, 
Now, the, the thing I didn't really care for as far as taking like Hoobie's mask off and then later on down the road, Ray Mysterio's mask, is usually when you're saying like mask versus mask, hair versus mask, title versus whatever, it's because they think that the person under the mask is someone else. Like Dusty Rhodes was the Midnight Rider. Junkyard Dog was Stagger Lee. Uh, Jimmy Valiant was Charlie Brown, even though that one was just bad because Jimmy Valiant had that long beard at the time. And one time during a commentary, David Crockett still accidentally referred to him as Jimmy Valiant. But, you know, you just had things like that. You know, you, um, you had Doom being Bush Reed and Ron Simmons, and me being stupid at the time, didn't realize it was them until the match. Uh, <laughs> I figured out, I'd figured out one of them was Butch Reed. I just didn't think about who the other one was. <laughs> they, but they had to they had to unmask. Now, that, that the unmasking actually means something. But with Hoovy and Ray, it's like, okay, you took off your mask, and now you're just this, especially in Ray's case, is kind of young-looking dude. And with that, whereas down in Mexico, taking off their mask down there really, really means something. Yeah, because that's part of that wrestling culture down there. So to take off the mask down there is a huge deal because it's part of who they are. Whereas in America, it's like, uh, it's not the same. They they can't they couldn't fake that even though it seems like they tried anyway. And, and that that's just flawed WCW booking that a mass wrestler couldn't wasn't as marketable, didn't have the facial expressions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we know that's not true. Because Ray's gone on to win multiple heavyweight titles, and there are quite a few mass wrestlers that have had tremendous success. And one thing WWE proved was that masks were marketable to the kids. But he... He's collecting homages uh, from his opponents, and this is where Dean Malenko comes in. He he wrestles Dean Malenko and beats him, and Dean Malenko disappears from WCW, takes a leave of absence. Then he brings the a portrait of Dean Malenko to the ring and basically makes fun of him during a promo segment. And then Jojo Dillon, as Jericho called him. No, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Scheduled a cruiserweight battle royal. And this random Lucha Libre star called Ciclope won the cruiserweight battle royal. And Jericho, thinking he's a genius, Seiko Clay wouldn't have the energy to wrestle him right away, demands the match start right after the Battle Royal ends, and Seiko Pay beats him. Unmasked, and it turns out to be Dean Malenko. Well, see, this is where, and I, this is why I do remember Jericho as a heel, because 
I always refer to him, him as the annoying heel. Because just saying like that, you know, saying, you know, Jojo Dillon, um, and then with Dean Malenko, he was saying, I'm the man of a thousand four holds, which I love the story of how he came up with that, where uh, Leo Burke uh, was said he was the first professional wrestler to say the man of a thousand holds, where Floyd Creechman said uh, he was now known as man of a thousand two holds because he just learned two more. And to me, that, that's just one of the funniest things. So for Jericho to pick up on that and say, I'm the man of a thousand four holds, yeah, that's just part of, that was part of his gimmick and him naming all the holds, which you know, most of them are arm bars. But arm bars. Yeah. <laughs> that, that to me, you know, it, it's the annoying, but it's not annoying where you turn the channel. It, it's where you're like, would somebody please come here and slap this guy? But you know it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a good match. Anyway, and thousand and four holds promo is the first one where he uh, he gets entertaining. But he, even his whiny heel stuff was uh, wasn't bad. It was it was something different, and it made him stand out for sure. But loses to Ray Ray Mysterio. Wins the Cruiserweight Championship again. So now he's a four-time Cruiserweight Champion. Loses to Hoovy. And a couple weeks later, wins the world television title from Stevie Ray, who's basically substituting for an injured Booker T. And this is my favorite part of Jericho's WCW tenure, he gets Ralphus. <laughs> yes. Ralphus is the perfect stereotype of a pro wrestling fan. Ralphus was a, a tooth... Well, he didn't have many teeth. Let's put it that way. A bald... A balding... you tooth having overweight hillbilly who was a truck driver that wore a shirt to the ring acting as uh, Jericho's security. That's because wasn't he one of the employees of WCW? Like he actually was a truck driver for WCW. He drove their equipment from uh, from event to event. He drove the ring truck. Okay. So Ralphus starts coming out with um, with Jericho, and for a brief period, he had a character called the Ninja that came out, and that was Jericho's personal security. And he starts calling out Bill Goldberg, and Goldberg is in the middle of his ninety wins. Well, it turned out to be one hundred and seventy wins. But he's somewhere in the 90s of the winning streak at this point. Well, actually, he's the uh, Goldberg's the heavyweight champion at that point. And the television title holder is calling out the heavyweight champion. 
Have you ever read Goldberg's book? Goldberg was not too happy. No, he wasn't. So himself at that point. And that is the toxic environment of the WCW locker room at that point. Everything was tears. And if we think about it, I think the WWE locker room is the same way right now. Oh, there's a pecking order. There's no doubt. So we think that's happening now, but Jericho calls him out and starts calling him Greenberg. does the Goldberg entrance and at Fall Brawl, the best thing ever uh, because you brought up little people from WrestleMania 3, the four foot tall mini Goldberg (laughs) they came out and wrestled Jericho at Fall Brawl. Because I want to say Goldberg, he was in Japan on a real short tour for you know, like two or three weeks, and Jericho was doing this stuff while Goldberg was literally out of the country, and that's when he came back, and he said, I hope you're happy, you know, and got in Jericho's face, and um, still, you got to think about this, Goldberg had been in the business all of, what, nine months at the time, if that, and... Uh, yeah, less than two years. Oh, easily. I mean, probably not even one year. And so maybe you know, I think he's still not getting it. You know, you can't get your feelings hurt by a promo. It's not – there's very few promos that are meant to be taken personally, although there have been some, you know, where they're speaking about something only the wrestlers know about. Or, you know, you, there's some lines you don't cross, but I don't think Jericho crossed any lines with that. He was poking fun. And Goldberg just couldn't take a joke. Basically, that's what it. That's what it. That, it's the equivalent of somebody not being able to take a joke. Anyway, well, he gets riled up, and, and that never happens. Hey, that that mid card jabroni is making fun of you. What are you going to do about it? And that's that's the atmosphere that WCW had at the time. Jericho was one of the most entertaining non-NWO things on the roster, and you can't put him into a feud with Goldberg? Of course they don't want to. Because Jericho's lighter than he is? That That's the... The, the thing right now, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are the same size, essentially. And who's the one popping off the screen right now but Nikki Cross? Nikki Cross, yeah. And she, she's little. Or at least smaller. Asuka is smaller than both of them. Right, but their their personalities are at least 
entertaining. Well, now Nikki Cross is practically stripping, but... Well, well they're acting like the Hardy Boys. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, one of the things that you can also say about Jericho really understanding the business, really being unselfish, and I think it's another reason why he's gotten as far as what he has, he left the company because they did not have him not just lose a match, but lose a squash match against Goldberg because he thought it would be good for business, good for Goldberg to have a match on a pay-per-view and it would be a squash match where Jericho would lose. And they didn't want to do it, so that's why he ended up, you know, well, one of the reasons why he left the company. So, I mean, that that says something about Chris Jericho uh, right there, you know, his unselfishness. Well, I mean, he's trying for a match to – to raise his worth in his stock because he's in a contract year. But you also know in WCW you have a ceiling. And you're not looked at as this level of star. So this is as far as you can go. And come on, Jericho Hogan at that time would have been good. I think the match would have been good. However, it would have been better if they would have had some kind of build-up. And Hogan oh. would never, never, ever have a, a have a build-up to a match with Chris Jericho, who he considered, what did he call them, quote-unquote, vanilla midgets? No, that was Scott Hall that said that. Oh, I thought Hogan was... Oh, no, Hogan said something else. What did he call Billy Kidman? He he called him something else, but... It was something similar. But, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. them being referred to as... With Hogan, Nash, and and Hall, you know, when you say one, you might as well mention the other two because all three of them were in cahoots together because the NWO was not just, okay, we're going to have a faction we're going to form on TV, we're taking over. No, backstage, back in the locker room, they were doing that. They were playing everything to where they would get... The big contracts. If somebody came in with a big contract, well, you better bump ours up. It's part of our contract. We can't. Nobody can get more than us. It's like for a one-time pay-per-view, they'd be paying like a Dennis Rodman, what you know, like a five million dollars for one appearance. And they say, hey, our contract says you got to pay us the same. So they're making money hand over fist and controlling everything. And meanwhile, these guys who all became a lot bigger superstars somewhere else, you know, are just basically essentially wasted. Yeah, I think Jericho against Hogan would have been a good match, but not without the buildup, and they would never let that happen. The, the Jericho and Ralphus was amazing during late 98 and during the, the Goldberg run initially. Because he also had Gilbert come out and claimed he Jericho was 4-0 against Goldberg. And they never wrestled. Goldberg. Always, always thought that they would do something with him. And they just didn't. And you can tell he's in trouble in late 98. When 
Jericho loses the title television championship to Conan. Then he goes on to feud with Perry Saturn. And his his last real match in WCW, or one of the last, is where he makes Perry Saturn wear a dress. A loser wears a dress match. Perry Saturn had a dress and moppy. Who did he make mad? And that was WCW. He got in trouble. Oh, I know. I know. That's that's why. Yeah, the WWF, that's when he smacked around Mike Bell uh, for botching a move and hurting Perry Saturn, and he lost his temper, and he admitted it later on. Yeah, he shouldn't have uh, taken that on a guy the way he did. But I'm going to say somebody there just, even in WCW, did not like Perry Saturn. Like personally, and so they were punishing him. I always thought Perry Saturn was very underrated. Should have gotten more uh, than what he actually did. So, yeah, he uh, he actually wrestled one of the few dog collar matches though against Perry Saturn. That was his last match. Before he leaves for WWF and loses a color match to Saturn, so he did the honors on the way out. Which is what you're supposed to do. But you, you think of Jericho, then you say Benoit after that. Maybe Eddie Guerrero, but he 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 was wrestling good, but he wasn't. He hadn't found that lie cheat seal thing that he came upon in WWE later. Just how many missed opportunities? W, WCW grabbed all them future stars, but uh, excuse me, grabbed all the older stars from WWF and push them at the expense of future talent. And you can kind of see that mistake happening now with the WWE. Mm -hmm. And that is why ratings are just so far down. Every week they talk about the raw ratings, and every week they're setting a new record for low ratings. What are the ratings for SmackDown? Because I'll tell you what, the last couple weeks of SmackDown, in my opinion, SmackDown has been a great show. You know, the matches have been good. The other non-match segments weren't, they didn't take too long, even though some of the um, the whole Roman Reigns of the family thing, it's a great angle. Every once in a while, you're like, okay, time to move on, time to move on. Okay, this interview segment's been going on. Okay, time to move on. Sometimes, some of those interviews take a little bit longer than what I think they probably should because all those guys are great wrestlers. They should be in the ring wrestling. But Raw, though, the matches have not been nearly as good, not even close. And they, they, they have too many non-wrestling things going on. So anyway, SmackDown, SmackDown is winning the Friday night ratings. 
but they're saying 1.7 million, close to 1.8 million views um, on a Friday night. So they're the highest rated show. They're doing better than AEW's ratings, but there there was a time where 1.8 was considered a commercial break. Mm-hmm. They were getting 7 million viewers for an average show, and they've got nothing. So... There, we talked about Jericho. One of the things they could do, um, you know, you don't have any masked women's wrestlers. No, not in America. So it, it'll be interesting. Jericho's career, it started WCW, can honestly, well, pr- well prior to that, but it's hits the mainstream in WCW. He might be doing his best work right now. Which is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it really is. So... To, to think of that, him and The Undertaker, they go away, they rejuvenate, and, and we haven't even got into his music career. We haven't even gotten to WWFE yet. So there's a, a whole bunch of his career to go, and he could be a Hall of Famer just on his pre- WWE career. Although right now, I don't, um, I'm sure he's not going to be considered for the Hall of Fame because he was one of the first uh, surprise faces in AEW. He will be. And eventually. Eventually, but not right now. I, I think he left on good terms. Well, the funny thing about that was he was the the one of the surprise faces at AEW, and it wasn't that long after he was a surprise entrance entrant in the Greatest Royal Rumble over in Saudi Arabia. But I don't know. Um, right now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think he is probably doing some of his best work. The man's 50 years old, and he doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. You with me, Kyle? Yeah. And we would definitely have to, you know, because, um, yeah, because we haven't even touched on his WWF run, um, and then everything from then until now, and like I said, all of his non-wrestling uh, ventures, 
and that's why you know he's become one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of my wife's favorite wrestlers, and and I have proof of that. And I'll have a picture of that proof, and I'll post it because I'm quite sure we're going to continue this next week. What do you think? Yep, going to have to. Yep, going to have to because just like some of our other subjects, one hour definitely is going to cut it, but we couldn't have cut this with two hours either. And, you know, so we will continue this next week, and I will have a picture of I'll have to I think I think I have a picture of it already, but I'll have a picture of what we say is the proof that yes, he is one of my wife's favorite wrestlers, and yes, she does watch wrestling whether she wants to admit it or not. John Cena. John Cena. No, I'm not switching. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of mad at John Cena right now. So anyway, better stop there before start getting the stuff that we, we vowed we won't talk about on the show. Uh, but anyway, Kyle, until next week, my friend, um, you know, we'll be in touch. And maybe this week, as far as wrestling news, maybe it won't be as eventful, but we'll see. All right. You have a good week, man. All right, man. God bless you, my friend. You too. Bye. Bye.